Hi, I am SB Roz. I'm a coach and a messy whole human. And this is Karen Chase joining me for another all up in it conversation. 35-ish minutes of reporting from the complicated, exhilarating midst of learning. Karen, I'm so excited to be in this space with you. <laughs> no, me too. Zoom is second best at being physically in the same space. It is second best. It is second best. We'll we'll be physically in the same space again someday. I feel confident of that. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so let's kick this off the way I always kick this off, which is by asking you how you understand yourself as a human these days. You know, this is one of those questions that I've been gnawing on for weeks since we scheduled this. And, you know, it is, you use the word messy and it, my head is all over the place and it's a messy definition. Mm -hmm. um, I know after having I had three or four months with people in and out of my house. I know that I'm more introvert than I realized, even though I really classify as an extrovert, um, that I really crave that time alone to work on things. I know that now. Um, I probably would use just a bunch of different definitions like we did in our coaching sessions, because that's you know some of the things that we did together. Um, I'm a very curious person. I really, curiosity ranks really high on my list of learning and knowing. Um, I don't tend to do that on a surface level. I tend to do it on a pretty deep level. And I know that I also need to sometimes set a timer on doing that because I can spelunk, spelunk down into caves of learning pretty rapidly. Um, I'm a little bit more fiercely feminism than I realized a few more than a year ago when Roe v. Wade changed, when <laughs> I began working on a women's health care account, when I started doing more writing regarding a woman from history. So I, you know, I realized I'm a little bit um, gnashing my teeth more than <laughs> I thought I was going to be on that subject. Um, but yeah, I it and I'm more than work. I'm more than a writer, more than marketing, more than you know what I do behind the computer every day. And you know, those are some of the things that I know about myself now. As now that I'm in my fifties, <laughs> which I'm still stunned every time I think of that that I'm in my fifties now. Um, yeah, I so far so good. The decades okay. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> Sounds like it's been an extraordinary time of learning already. It has. It has. You know, I'm learning to love a little differently. I'm learning to um, share more time with my family, with my partner, um, in, in different ways than I did in my 30s, for sure. But um, it's enriching all of it, which is good at this point in my life. That's beautiful. Yeah. They're about... 50 things in there I want to ask you about. But I'm gonna... <laughs> well, you said it was five minutes of describing that. And I was like, oh my God, can I fill five minutes? Maybe two, but it still fills a lot in two. Yeah, it was great. And and so rich, you know, and I, and I think I find that very exciting. You know, I, I find the perpetual learning very exciting, mm -hmm. even while perpetual change can be a little daunting and sometimes a lot daunting. Again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
perpetual. That's funny you use that word, right? That's one of my interlinking. Interlinks is perpetua. Yes. Always to have things structured and organized. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of my girls on the inside. <laughs> one of your resources slash uh, people to keep an eye on. <laughs> interlinks to keep an eye on. <laughs> yeah, she cleans far too much. So she needs to be <laughs> kept in check and the broom needs to be hidden. <laughs> I love that. You got to put the broom away, Perpetua. Um, <laughs> also, it sounds like you're you're all up in a whole lot. And I wonder what feels particularly present to you as, as you join me in this conversation. Like, yeah, what do you want to share with us today about what you're all up in? Oh, I'm all up in, you know, project wise. I think we talked about this just briefly. Um, you know, I'm, while I am working in a marketing capacity on women's healthcare, um, I am also working on discovering, compiling, gathering information about a woman from the 18th century that went west two decades before Lewis and Clark and kept a journal for Thomas Jefferson. And um, she's just been used by a lot of male historians over the years to write books about other male figures. And I, I'm really striving now to lift her from the footnotes of history, as I say, and it, um, she occupies my thoughts a lot, a lot these days. Um, I just finished uh, I'm in the Daughters of the American Revolution, which we'll talk about later as part of my nonprofit discussion. Um, they are the Daughters of the American Revolution. We can prove ancestors all the way back to someone who supported the revolution. And I just completed all the paperwork connecting Eliza and her mother to a living descendant in Vermont. And I did all the paperwork for that woman. And and when I say I, it was me and upwards of 15 or 16 people who helped me find all of, we have to find birth, death, and marriage all the way for every generation, all the way back. Wow. Um, and for every person in that. So for every man and woman that got married, there has to be a birth, death, and marriage for each of them. Um, and it was fascinating. It was like that TV show, PBS, Finding Your Roots, right? I mean, we just kept digging and digging and we found old wills from 1812 and we found, you know, draft records and pictures of, and portraits that were done of these people as much mm. as we could and silhouettes that were cut out for these people. So, I mean, it's really, it's been a real fascinating hunt and peck through history. Um, and yeah, just having completed that first step of getting this done, if knock on wood, if the genealogists that the DAR headquarters agree with me that all this proof is correct, I'll have what I need to maybe get historical markers made for these women. So wow. they don't have at this point. Um, so right now they're kind of unseen women from history or they've been used to describe the other founders. So it's, but it's like one, it's like 1% of 1% of how big the project could be. Mm. And I'm trying to, uh, right now, and this is hard for me because I normally see the ending of what I'm working on as I'm working. Yeah. And I don't know what the ending on this is gonna be yet. I don't know if it's a book, multiple books, a screenplay, I don't know, a stage play, I don't know. So this is just 
And that's, that's hard for me to do. I, I always see where I'm going and I don't necessarily right now. Wow. So there were, there were two, <laughs> there were two endings with question marks on them there. There was the 1% of 1% of this whole huge. Um, and when you said that, do you mean um, pulling up women from the footnotes of history? Is that what you mean by the 1% of 1%? Just with regard to the information that I found about Eliza and her mother. Wow. I, pretty much that proof that we just did for the DAR is probably 1% of 1% of the information that I'll be putting together. Wow. Oh my yeah. gosh. I, I, it, I may be estimating incorrectly and it may be 1%, but that still feels like a lot left, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. And so to, to not have the vision of the end how do you stay? What helps you stay? That's what I mean by the how. Like what um, what helps yeah. you stay in the ground or on the yeah. path or whatever the right language? It was um biting off the small pieces is is what did it. I started to make a list of the small pieces. I knew I could gather the proofs for the DAR application. Then I knew I needed to find, you know, a DAR chapter that would help me finish the paperwork. So, but the paperwork was all like one, one project in and of itself that I could complete. And I was like, okay, and we'll see what I find in there that informs me of what to work on next. Um, and I have a couple little like second and third steps that I think I need to go through. And so when the proof was done, I looked at that second step and said, okay, yeah, now the second step is I, I need a database of all the places where letters and memorabilia for this woman might be mm. because now I have this massive pile of stuff and I need to catalog it somehow. So that was just the second step. So it's the little things. What was that book atomic habits? Is that the one where it's like, instead of making these huge massive decisions about I'm going to write a book and it's going to be this, that I'm just going to work on these pieces that are going to maybe contribute to that. Mm -hmm. I guess I learned with my first book, with my first novel, that all good plans can be ruined by the events of history. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and what I think needs to happen with this Eliza project might be defined much differently once I see all her writings together. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. if it really is about her voice, she needs to tell me what to do. Yeah. Oh. That, that's, a, that's a very different place for me to be. In, mm -hmm. Like I said, between marketing and my last few books, like I wrote them, I created them. I knew what the endings were going to be. When I work on a marketing campaign, I know that so I have to hit benchmarks and I have a deadline. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of, um, yeah, it's different doing this and, and seeing those small baby steps instead as whole complete projects. Yeah. And what are you, what are you learning about yourself in the process of, of navigating this piece of history? You've alluded to it earlier. I'd love to hear more. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. I, and I pulled out a stack of books, of course, so I can reference them as we go. <laughs> um, this book flourish that I just read was wonderful. It's the woman who, um, created the new philosopher magazine oh um 
But one of the things I learned through this project is something that she mentions in here called, and I don't know if I'm going to be pronouncing it correctly, Wu Wei. So it's W-U hyphen W-E-I. And it means that you know, we get into creative flow. I do when I get really writing or I'm really into a design project, you get into this creative flow where like the rest of the world falls away. Mm -hmm. Well, way is like that, but instead of the rest of the world falling away, you realize all the helpers that you need to get that thing flowing correctly. And that is more of an Eastern way of looking at flow, creative flow. And I really have noticed that like those 15 or 16 people who helped me with those proofs, mm -hmm. um, the energy that they bring into the project with the things that they've discovered or the things they helped me with. Like even my French, my neighbor who's a French teacher came and helped me decipher a will that was in French one day he knew the French and I knew how 18th century handwriting looked and together we transcribed this thing. Wow. And um, to me, those moments, I mean, he seeing his excitement at being a part of it, that, that was more exciting to me than working on my own. Mm -hmm. And having had my own business for now, almost 20 years and, you know, and kind of working in these long stretches where you're on your own working on books that, that term, it turns out I, I get real jazzed and real energized from that. Mm -hmm. it, it is the mode you asked, you know, what's the motivation that keeps you going if you don't know the end? And that is some of it too, you know, mm -hmm. working with these other people who have a greater expertise than I do. Um, but collectively we have a greater expertise. Mm -hmm. It's, it's pretty sweet. It's a pretty sweet spot to hit. Yeah. It's extraordinary. And, um, and it's an interesting contrast to what you were saying earlier about recognizing um, that there's more of an introvert to you. <laughs> and I wonder if that was part of where you were going to take us today, if I'm giving you a segue or if I'm opening up yeah. a door you don't want to walk through. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. You know, I mean, that it, it is a balance, right? Um, as you know, my partner is a psychotherapist and we talk about um, how traits like this are on a on line like on, like they're on a clothesline mm -hmm. and you're the clothespin and sometimes you're zooming over to the introverted side sometimes you're zooming to the extroverted side but it's your ability to move back and forth that is important mm -hmm. um, and I came from a family that was incredibly introverted but I was the extroverted one that they weren't anticipating <laughs> you know? wanted to have everybody over to the house and wanted to have a good time at the party and would rather have been a stand-up comedian, and, you know, some things like that. So it's finding that balance in those things. I, but I realize how much I treasure that introverted, that quiet time to be able to really settle in and breathe and get deep down into a project with all the bells and whistles shut off on the phones and the computers and stuff. So I can really, you know, singularly focus because I think, the world requires that of us sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder if there's something for you about <clears throat> place. Like I, mm -hmm. you know me, I love, I love people. I love getting in front of people. I love connecting with people. And I'm very um, mm -hmm. protective of my home space. It's like a nest that, <laughs> you know, that I see and feel differently in the context of who is here. And so I'm 
and I'm selective in particular. And I wonder if that is a thing for you. You know, I didn't think it was. And then we hosted a couple for a few months in our house Mm -hmm. um, who were very different from us, ran very different schedules than we did. Um, And I always wondered, like, could I open my house as an Airbnb? Because I have this wonderful guest room and I have a bathroom that I don't use that's, you know, pretty close to the guest room. And it turns out that's a big fat no. (laughs) Um, I don't mind having guests. I love having people come stay, but for long stretches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm like you. I realized how much my home is my sanctuary and my safe place is the wrong word. It's almost like, like it's a big cozy blanket of what is that? Hygie? Is that the, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I know H-Y-G-G-E, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it is my cozy place, Mm -hmm. you know? So when that's disturbed by people who stay up to one o'clock while I go to bed at nine 30, Mm -hmm. I really feel it. And I realize how much that is important to me. And so is, uh, open doors. Um, when you have people who stay in your house for a long stretch, they tend to keep their doors shut. Um, I'm not that girl. I like having my doors open. Is that a, is that partially symbolic? What does it mean to you to have open doors? It's view. It's being able to look out far distances and not feeling like I'm stuck in a box. And Karen never likes to be put in a box. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the definition of a designer, right? Like how many designers does it take to change a light bulb? Does it have to be a light bulb? (laughs) Um, You know, you like doing things a little bit differently. That's just the nature of the designer in me, I think, is to to do that, to think of different ways and more unique and creative ways to do things. So the open doors really is an open mind. Yeah. Simple, for sure. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I'm sure you can. Yeah. <laughs> the the wholeness of it, right? Like the even yeah. even the way very frequently I I notice when people ask me how I am, the first thing that I do is I look out my window. And mm-hmm. and it's not um it's not an actual like looking into my, you know, sometimes we move our eyes and we're really looking more deeply into our minds, you know, and it really isn't that. It's it's that the, the the um, space where we live informs how I'm feeling in a lot of ways, or it's, it's integral, or there's something about, I, clearly I don't have the words for this yet, but there's just something about how when I look out there and I see the curve of the Blue Ridge Mountains and the way the sun filters into this particular holler, like it just, it does something to me every time. And so people Oh, that's such a beautiful part of the country where you are too. It really is. <laughs> yes, it is. And Richmond is beautiful too, in very different ways. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing I think I've discovered in the last couple of years. um, And I think we talked about this when I was going through the coaching with you is how important those seasons are Mm -hmm. um, and embracing those different seasons for what they bring to you and not always looking at seasons the way everyone else looks at seasons. Yeah. Um, On to the second book. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I think we've talked about this one before wintering by Catherine May. I found it such a relief to know that winter could be such a productive time. Mm -hmm. 
you know, instead of looking at winter as the sad time where you don't get to be outside during the evenings and things as much, I was like, oh, I, I get to hunker down in front of the fire and read all the books that I have missed reading during the summer because I was out biking and out playing. And, um, you know, it's also a grand time for me to get up in the morning and throw the twinkle lights on in my office and have some quiet time in the office in the morning to tinker around with writing. And I find I'm really productive in the winters. So yeah. You know, knowing that that season is coming soon, I'm kind of <laughs> delighted by it. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. I love that. And I'm so glad that you, you're saying that to me now. I was walking today looking at the, the beauty of the autumn and thinking about, you know, just noticing, right? Noticing a, an array of feelings and you can yeah. visualize them beautifully. Yeah, yeah. I think breathing in the seasons and we get that. We get the joy of that in Virginia because you get three months of every season mm -hmm. you know I grew up in Canada where it was the joke was you get nine months of winter and three months of construction <laughs> you know so that that used to be the joke and it's already snowed where I'm from oh wow so and it's gloriously still fall and beautiful and 75 degrees out there today so it's yeah but, but it's no wonder you look out your window to get a sense of you know, where you are in the space of the world and the seasons, things like that. It totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Of course it does to you. <laughs> you get it. Um, we're, we're similar in that way. Mm -hmm. um, among others. Um, <laughs> um, well, so I'd love to hear more about, um, well, actually, let me kick it back to you first. Is there anything else that you're all up in that you wanted to share into this space before I move us on to, to sort of the tools and resources? Um, no, you know, I think that that the 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 writing and the the writing life has been an odd journey in the last few years with publishing changing so much. Um, and I think that is maybe contributing to my reluctance to say this will be a book. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, it, it, because it's such a difficult <laughs> um, Sisyphus type of endeavor where you're constantly pushing rocks uphill mm -hmm. and they're constantly rolling back to you. Um, but I, I think keeping my mind open as those outside influences change helps me keep my head down on on doing work that is meaningful yeah. um, because it can feel like it has no meaning mm -hmm. given the state of the industry um yeah there's that deep breath yeah you do, you do that for five years and you'll be where i am <laughs> <laughs> well but i i love that though because i do think that we're um a society that's that's very much shaped around the outcome that we believe we can achieve with the effort and that that we do see the meaning is dampened um yeah. by adverse outcomes or outcomes we didn't want or whatever rather than what i hear you describing which is that you were in the midst of work that you find inherently meaningful and you will find a way to to illuminate this woman's history and how that illumination happens is the question mark and a place for for you to utilize your creativity and uh, yeah. and resourcefulness. 
Yeah. I mean, that, you know, talk about something that you're learning is that it doesn't, you can do something that is meaningful without having it be monetary Mm -hmm. or monetized, Mm -hmm. you know, you, and, and that's hard for me with a marketing background, because I think you should make cash off of everything you do. (laughs) I mean, what are you making a brochure for if it's not going to improve sales, you know, that sort of thing. So it's really, I've really had to learn that in the last little while. I think it'll be constant learning for me. You know, if I like, I'm took a class on watercolor and I was like, oh my gosh, there's an awful lot to learn here. And my head wants to say, well, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> if you're not starting a green card line, then no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm not going to start going to shows and art shows and things <laughs> like that. So maybe I could just enjoy it for the sake of enjoying it as my, you know, for this other book, for the one I held up today when we had our little chomp and chat with yours, which is, you know, yeah. maybe it is, maybe it's like, um, like Churchill, who did so many paintings, maybe I'm like that, where I just need time farting around with watercolors in order to organize the rest of the stuff I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. It's just my stillness, maybe. So. Yeah, perhaps it's one of your tools, right? Like, this, maybe. yeah, maybe. Well, what are what are the the tools that you're consciously aware of right now, internal and external, as you navigate this moment in your life? That's such a great question. And that's when I, I actually make notes, of course. (laughs) So internal tools are, have to do with some of the, just the basic human needs. I make sure that I get a good night's sleep that I move or, you know, and that can mean on my bike, which I really love, or it can mean going for a walk or, you know, just, you know, playing with the cats you know, anything like that that's physical because I sit so much um, and I'm not a standing desk person. I just, I can't bring myself to get one because they're so ugly. So I'm not going <laughs> to, my designer side won't let me do it. Um, so moving is really important. Sleep is really important. Good health and eating well is really important mm-hmm. for me. Um, I, I know when I'm not making good decisions, it's because I'm hungry or I need a nap, you know, or I need to move. And so I just, I kind of fill the bank. I make sure that I get the right sleep and I make sure I eat meals when I know I need to versus when I desperately need to. Yes. Um, those types of things are, are kind of internal. Uh, we talk, talked about the seasons, you know, looking at which, what I'm going to do in which seasons. I don't plan big projects in spring and summer because I know I'm just going to be out wanting to play too much. There's too much <laughs> nymph in me that needs to be out fa-la-laing fa- fa- around in the daisies, you know, uh-huh. and gardening. So, I mean, those are not good times for me to work on those projects. Um, internally, I also have a really good sense of being loved and being nurtured by my family and by Ted and those, and my friends. Um, those are, those are both internal and external things that really drive me to enjoy what I'm doing mm-hmm. outside of the work thing too. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I'm so glad that you brought to the fore those things that can feel so basic that we don't even pay attention to them. And they're so critically important. I mean, I am, not a pleasant person when I'm hungry like 
bad decisions, bad, I'm, I'm not fun to be around. <laughs> totally. And there, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, Ted in his practice begins to talk about with people in the first couple session, sessions is how are you eating and how are you sleeping? And, you know, what are you doing to get out and exercise? Do you own a kayak or a pair of running shoes? You know, those kinds of things. And I think they're very valuable questions. And when I look at other writers and other designers I've worked with who have not been good at completing projects who really struggle. Um, I see they don't nurture those things very well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of want to take them aside and say like, just go to bed at 10. Yeah. Like it doesn't, or even 11, just don't make it one, you yes. know, those, those, my grandmother always used to say is the sleep you get before midnight that counts the most. And I guess it kind of just stuck for me. Um, but yeah, that, my goal is to stay off of medications as long as possible mm -hmm. and use food and sleep and movement as my medications instead. Yeah. They go a heck of a long way. Yeah, yeah. they do. I, uh, the first time I had a, a GP ask me what I eat, I got teary because I was so unaccustomed to somebody in the medical community asking me how oh. I ate that I was just like, oh my gosh, you're my person. Like, thank you. Yeah, but, and I'm very lucky. I've had a GP up to now who is younger and more with it. And she, and she, last time I was in there complaining of an ailment, she said, now I know you, let's talk about your diet and what's been changing. So, you know, it was really lovely that we talked about food first. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Wonderful tools. So important. And, and the first things to go on most people's back burners. Yeah. Uh, when the deadlines get tight, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Oh, thank yeah. you for that. And so circle us back around. You said you'd be talking about the DAR a little bit about uh, yeah. in the nonprofit you'd like to spotlight. Yeah, and that um, that kind of goes hand in hand with the external things that have really been helping. Um, the, the DAR has for, well, for many decades, it had a bad rap, right, for for being this really uppity kind of organization. Um, and I have found so many gracious people in there that are so willing to just help on projects and they volunteer so much that um, they are more of a volunteer organization than I recognized beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't be able to have amassed quite the amount of information about Eliza without them. Um, and they did give me a bit of a framework for that project by saying like, we want to prove somebody was a patriot. You, we need these things. Um, but they're a pretty big organization and they, they really do a lot in terms of preserving different things in this country too and gathering funding and helping veterans. And I mean, there was an awful lot that I didn't recognize that they did until I became one while I was researching my novel. So, um, and that, you know, that lesson learned with them that many hands make light work um led me recently to getting a research assistant of my own as an intern which um just a few hours a week her name's katie she's wonderful um she's building the database because i hate spreadsheets and she loves spreadsheets I don't know that she loves them, but she's way better at them and more skilled <laughs> at them than I am. And she's got the academic background, but, um, you know, if, uh, 
she and I are certainly going to be tapping into a lot of DARs to help us gather that research together. Um, you know, across many states, I think right now the ELISA project, I've talked to DARs in five different states in order to gather information for that woman. So, um, and a lot of people don't know what they do. If you're interested in joining, most people think, how can I possibly be related? I'm Italian or I'm, you know, something else. Um, there, there's 200,000 of us across the U.S. that are, and some of them are younger than me now, which is good. Um, <laughs> some of them are, are, are grow, they're growing in their youth membership, which is wonderful to see too. Um, so between the DAR and James River Writers, which is a literary organization here, that's also a nonprofit. I mean, I wouldn't be working on the projects I am without either one of them. So if you're in the Richmond area or in central Virginia, and you're looking to join a writer group, I would definitely recommend James River Writers would be my second of a group. Yeah. So the, when I when I attended I, I uh, and spoke, I was so impressed by the one the turnout. My gosh, yeah, and um, huge mm -hmm. turnout and so much energy and so much enthusiasm. They so do. It, it's really good. Um, they celebrate the little milestones we all make along the way because that's the those little steps that keep you growing, right? Um, but they're great about bringing speakers like you who maybe not, you know, you're not an agent, you're not a literary agent, but without you helping us wrangle who we are and the, the inner creatures that talk to us all the time, you know, we can't get out of our way to get words on paper. So, you know, I really applaud them for uh, doing, bringing in a lot of different voices. They've been my education in diversity and inclusion has in part been because of James River Writers. They've yeah. done such an amazing effort of really bringing in different viewpoints. More than most organizations I see, which is wonderful. Yeah, and so important, so important yeah. um, in so many ways. Um, and I applaud you. The I thought the way that you organized the um, the event that that I was a part of was so so smart because you brought in. Uh, an editor and an agent, as I recall, and the result, you know, it's a lot of like, you know, rubber meets the road. This is hard stuff. Let's talk about how hard it is. And then you had me come in to like, sort of get everybody jazzed and writing, you know, like, yeah, it's hard, <laughs> but like, let's keep going. <laughs> I thought like that yeah, was really- You gotta find joy in it. Otherwise it's just a slog. I mean, that's, <laughs> a, that's true of everything, right? <laughs> yeah, there's always gonna be boring slog parts, even of the really wonderful right. stuff, right? I mean, I love my cats. I hate the litter box. But yeah. I love you know, <laughs> life has its litter box moments. It really does. <laughs> it really does. Oh, Karen, that's the most perfect line to end on. Thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> for bringing your wisdom and your insight and your learning and your process to share oh, with thank us. You. Thank you for having such a forum for getting together and really sharing it really helping me focus too when we have these conversations. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Oh, and I wish you and I wish myself and I wish anybody who is watching ease and joy in the midst of all of our learning curves and litter box moments. Yes. Make <laughs> memories and scatter joy. <laughs> Amen.